What is up, rugby fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Saf Pod. My Saturday night had me down in the dumps, and I think I've only maybe just recovered from the lost island. Finally feeling a little bit positive, and I think the blocks can still do it. We can still do it. Steaks, how are you doing? And did you drown your sorrows on Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. As you say, just like slowly letting it like sink in and be somewhat okay with it. Um, I think a lot of people I've, I've heard from were sort of saying, you know, it's probably good that we lose to Ireland and that. And through that whole game, I was like, bullshit. We need to beat them. Like we can't, we can't lose, man. Like we have to, we have to win and keep this form going, but it's not the end of the world. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. I mean, remotes did go flying. I did have to have a, a, a chat with the missus and that about my behavior with the with the rugby game. So I've got to I've got to tone down a bit. I'm just a passionate Springbok fan, bro. At the end of the day, what can I say, bro? I think I had a similar conversation with Hannah. So I like. <laughs> have you ever have you been ever been really really angry? Like I got up after the game, turned the TV off threw the remote into the drawer, slammed the drawer, then looked across back at Hannah. And I was like, I'm taking the dog out for like a pee. Like I was like, I'm just going to get out of the flat for a second. I like her look like she was so unattracted to me in that moment. It's not even funny. Yeah, so, mate, mate. Happens I, to I the got- best of us. I got the exact same exact same treatment, mate. Like I was just fucking remote goes flying, battery's gone somewhere, so I can't even turn the shit off. So I like go and I unplug the my box from the TV, and like yeah, we had a we had a bit of a chat about it. So I've had to I've had to promise I'm gonna calm down for for the future games. But you know what, Springboks don't lose, and I won't behave like this. <laughs> We'll beat Tonga. My behavior will be class. Quarterfinals will come around and I'll just go back to being my old self. Degeneracy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, firstly, credit to Ireland. They played really well. Last week, I highlighted the importance of the breakdown. They disrupted the Springboks ball so, so well. They kept Fuff in the breakdowns for like an extra second or two, just falling on top of him or just making sure they hold on to him for a few seconds longer just to make sure he can get to the next breakdown very quickly. And they defended really, really well. I personally feel like the box were the better team. And I know that sounds funny because the person who wins is usually the person that's the better team. But to me, I, I feel like we missed too many opportunities. A friend actually messaged me and said the box are playing against 16 men. Now, a disclaimer... He's Welsh, so it's not like he's got box into glasses or anything. But I can't blame the ref when we miss 11 points from the tee. I just can't bring myself to do it. Sneaks, what were your thoughts on, on your favorite team and, and how they did against the box? No, for sure. I mean, look, yeah, to be honest, I was pretty pissed off. But then, you know, just to just to rub it into the mates I was watching with, uh, I was just like, well, you know, a bright side is Island one. So, <laughs> but no, it, it, was, it was disheartening in that. But I think just the, the, the game as a whole, you know, such a low scoring game. And just watching it, like I was on the edge of my seat the entire game, to be honest. I don't I don't think necessarily that there was a team that was much better than than either either. You know what I mean? Like to be fair, Ireland missed a lot of opportunities too, especially early on. Their lineouts were just shocking. I couldn't believe it. But at the same time, we we need to be a team that can that can pounce on that, you know. And it's 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 something that was a bit frustrating. You know, I'm I'm sure. 
Irish fans as well were equally as frustrated at so many opportunities gone squandered. You know what I mean? So it's it's. I think at the end of the day, it was it was an arm wrestle. I mean, the two teams played extremely well, regardless of the missed opportunities. And yeah, it was just one of those games where, again, we've always said that if it comes down to a game like that, it's going to come down to kicking and being able to get those points um, across. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do it. So I think on any given day, it's going to go either way, especially with with teams like you know Ireland and New Zealand and France, all the, all these teams that we're looking to be playing in that. I could literally go either way. So we need to be a bit more tuned in with, with decision-making and, you know, those specific moments, you're not going to convert every single moment you have, but my goodness, you've got to have some moments where you you just have to convert. There's just no, no option to not. Yeah. Friend of the show, John Dobson has come out to question the Springboks strategy of long range penalties instead of setting up the lineups for rolling balls, which is actually something that baffled me because, as you say, the Irish line-out, the first, I think they lost their first four or five. The Springboks kicked for poles when the Irish line-out was crumbling. And then they went for the line when they've got their second hooker on. I don't think that the box threw the game away, right? I, I don't think any player on that pitch went out there and went, you know what, we're going to lose this so that we can play against France instead of the All Blacks, which is conspiracy theory that was that's currently kind of flying around. But it does feel like the Springbok coaches didn't give their players the opportunity to thrive in certain parts of that game. However, I think the box take more out of that loss than Ireland take out of the win. Do you think the same thing? Is, is, is your mind kind of going, you know what, it's, it's one that got us by, but rather lose them in a pool game and then maybe meet them in the final and, and beat them there? Yeah, I, I think that 100%. I mean, it's it's definitely going to, you know, you obviously always learn more from your losses than your wins. And I think obviously Ireland's going to go back to the drawing board, but at the end of the day, they're confident that it's, you know, we still got the win over the box, which arguably at the, you know, prior that Ireland Springbok game, were probably the top dogs in the in the World Cup. You know, there wasn't a team that was as hot as the Springboks and Ireland managed to to slay that beast and that, you know. So they they're gonna be really um, you know, sort of focused on that and happy about that. And I think we're just gonna be licking our wounds just a little bit more and that fight's just gonna start coming out just that little bit more. And I think, yeah, it's 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 going to do a lot more for us um, than than Ireland in this game. And at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world that we lost it. We lost uh, the first game against New Zealand in the last World Cup. And, you know, we've lost one game this World Cup. Doesn't mean it's over. We've still got a lot to do. And Andre Pollard's coming in now, which is exciting. We'll obviously get into um, the our, our next match and the lineups. But... Yeah, there's there's a few things being being tried and hopefully it goes our way and hopefully we can just, you know, these fine tuning little things. Again, it seems like there's always just this working out little kings, trying different strategies, trying these different, you know, moves and that even in the middle of the World Cup. It seems like there's still this sort of aspect. And I don't know. I, I think the strategy completely changes in the knockouts. I think we just have a, a one set um, mindset sort of thing where it's, we know this is going to be the strategy. We're sticking to the strategy. And I don't know. I think I think maybe it was 
um, sort of a confidence boost test as well for the kickers, you know, taking the long range shots. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, if they got them over, then we would have been singing the praises for the, for the kickers. And I think that would have been a huge confidence booster. So I, I definitely agree with you that it's 100% not, you know, fixed or th- thrown game or anything like that. But I do think that it was maybe could have possibly been a tactic of look here, if we lose because of some of these moments where we're going for poles and they miss, then it is what it is. But, you know, if if the kickers got it over, it would have been the biggest confidence booster for them. So I think it was just sort of like risk-reward sort of thing. But do you not think it's strange that you've got seven forwards, right? You go for a 7-1 bench. You've arguably got the best maul in the world at the moment, and you don't maul it when your opposition line-out is not functioning. It is, it is weird. It is weird. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, all of Russie's and Jacques' tactics are bloody weird. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I just don't necessarily see, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't see, I don't see Russie and Jacques really making a massive stuff up like that in, in the, the World Cup. You know what I mean? It's I mean you you always want to be the you know the the positive Springbok fan and say you know the, in Russia we trust like we trust there's always a plan you know and I think last World Cup with with so many aspects that came out in that documentary it just blew every single South African fan's minds as to how tactical these guys are. So to the to the naked eye it looks pretty silly. It seems like they're just completely buggered up some of the decision making. But you never know. You never know until the next documentary comes out and truths get told about what was being done and tactically and everything like that. But to the naked eye and right now, it just seems like really bad decision making. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what you say is so true. The fact that we lost the All Blacks in 2019 and still went on to win the World Cup is quite valid. And a wounded buck is a dangerous buck, as they say. So the hope is obviously that we don't lose any of the other games for, for the rest of the year is, is probably the simplest way of putting it. I think Dwayne should start over Jasper, especially given the absence of Malcolm Marks. We really, really missed a poaching threat in the starting pack. Is there any, w- would you make that change or is there any change you'd make to that starting pack from last weekend? Oh, hundred percent. I think I think Brian Fumilan should be starting. I just think he he brings that aspect to it, and obviously with Malcolm Marks leaving, well, not leaving, but getting injured, like we need we need those fetches. We need um, guys coming off the bench. Obviously, we have that um, in the form of Dion Faree and uh, you know a bunch of other guys, but we 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 need it from the start as well, you know. And and I just think the way Dwayne Fumilan has been playing. I think he's just earned that starting spot. So I think he can you can slot him in at eight, no problem. And he, he would be an absolute machine. He's, he's, he's tried and tested, and I think he's he should be starting. Interesting to see him in the coaching box too, instead of down on the pitch. I Very thought that interesting. Was, <laughs> I thought that was a bit weird. I don't know if they're like, come sit up in the coaching box with us, get a proper bird's eye view, and then if we play if we play Ireland in the in the final, you've then got really really good insight into maybe into what might happen but again again we don't know these strategies man there's so many strategies that could well quite be the strategy now colby k 
Kane and Moody and Willemsa would be my starting back three. Especially if we go 6-2 or 7-1. And that's purely given the fact that Kanan can cover 13. And actually, if we look at the starting lineup from last week, or even the, the 23 from last week, there wasn't really very good 13 cover. I think they were thinking if Creel went down, they'd slot Damian Dialendi into 13. But I don't think he's quick enough to play 13 defensively, especially against an Ireland or New Zealand or a France. Given Pollard's return, would you have him start if we make quarters, or would you have him coming off the bench? I would, I would definitely have him come come off the bench, hundred percent. I mean, there was there were so many kicks, especially leading towards the the latter side of of the game, where you know we we missed a few. That if Pollard's on, and again, again. Pollard's not a hundred percent kicker, you know, to, to everyone out there listening and that he's not, but he does seem to have that cool ahead at the moment. Obviously, Marnie Lubbock is an, an exceptional kicker, just not hot. And r- rugby isn't a sport where, you know, it's everything you've done and that, and that, you know, he slots you in the team and that it's about what you're doing now. And unfortunately he's just, he's just, something's not clicking and he's just not kicking, but Obviously, in every other aspect of the game, he's bloody shining, which is unbelievable. I'd love, I would personally love to see them, um, you know, shift, uh, you know, bring Marnie Lebok off the bench this this game coming up, and then shift Pollard to twelve. Try him, try him at twelve. Let's see how he does, and then have someone with pace and just, you know, doing just has that ability at thirteen. And I think that's that's going to be interesting because Pollard, to be fair. He really does run the ball um, nicely at the line. And he has this, you know, sort of, um, it's it's not just a, a, a bulldozing. Like he has these other options and he's he's a playmaker at the end of the day. So it's, to have that at 12, I think would be very interesting if, if he can if he can really do well at 12, you know, better than a Damien Dillindy crashing the ball up and, and breaking those meters or an Andreas stays and having all that versatility at 12 and everything that he brings to the position. It's it's going to be interesting because because right now, I mean we've we've got the team we've got the backline to absolutely smash it. We just need a kicker. So whether that's keeping Marnie Lubbock on just to keep that general status in the backline, but having Pollard as a valued kicker at twelve if he's got his kicking boots on, I think that might be the option. I don't know if I like the idea of Pollard at twelve, and the only reason I say that is our structures don't lend themselves well to a 12 who's not a proper crash ball option and Pollard as you say great at the line will usually get a good one-on-one not necessarily a a tackle buster but he'll he'll make a few meters but that's because nine times out of ten he's running at an opposite ten if Pollard runs at a Bundiaki or a Jonathan Dante that's a very very different prospect so I think they'll probably bring him off the bench or have him start at 10. But I think what will happen this weekend is you'll have Pollard come off. You'll have Pollard going in at 10, as we know. I think you will see him there for about 40, maybe 45 minutes, shift to 12 for, for maybe 10 minutes, and then they'll probably pull him off and, and, and rest him. I can't see Pollard going the full 80 because he's only played 30 minutes of rugby in the last like four months. So he's definitely going to be cramping up. 
Yeah, hundred percent. You 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 really do have to try and just give him his minutes and and get him on the pitch, which is the main thing. Let him have a good fifty minutes or so, just like Sia did, and then yeah, hope, hopefully he just is staying away from the injuries and that. Decision to put Grant Williams on the wing again, along with the decision to play Marco and Dion at hooker without Bongi, are the ones that kind of stand out with the return of Pollard. What are your thoughts on the team? And do you think the box being too experimental, given the points difference, might be a big factor in a few weeks? I don't know. I think I think with regards to to injuries, I mean, it's it's giving a lot of the other guys a chance to play. It's really, you know, testing this depth and that. And at the end of the day, some of these teams, I mean, not so much France. We obviously, I, I'm not quite sure if there's been any. Well, yeah, there, there was that update with um, with Dupont sort of, you know, getting a bit of surgery. And there's no promises that he's going to play in the World Cup, but he hasn't been taken Bruce, off the squad. He's, and gonna, he's apparently going to be appearing as like a Hannibal Lecter lookalike with the mask in the quarterfinals. So. But I mean, you go into that game wearing a mask. Surely you're nervous, like. hundred percent, man, hundred percent. But but that's the problem. Is like these bigger teams. Yes, they're getting the points difference, but it's it's risky, man. It's really really risky to have your top players play these teams. And no offense, <laughs> the teams don't. These smaller teams. It's not necessarily that they're getting the results. Okay, they they for the most part, most of the time, they they're not getting the results. But these are not like high school kids playing, man. These are these are beef meat sticks, bro. Like they are coming in and they are smashing, dude. They had some gnarly hits, Namibia. And that's the thing. It's like you're not playing a high school team. You're playing men. And there's going to be hard hits. And it's in a game where, you know, your, your second string, even third string team should be able to put some really comfortable points on. It's just weighing it up and just saying, you know what, it's not worth it's a couple of these players getting injured, you know. Get these guys, let them play one half, you know. Let's get ahead and let's get comfortable and set the tone for the game. And then bring on the bring on the bench and then let them carry the rest of the game. But yeah, I think it's I think it's the the experimenting thing, like I said, is like kind of give me cause me to be on a bloody pacemaker, man, to be honest. Because Every little week, it's like there's something new with these coaches. And again, I hope that this is all part of the strategy and it's really testing these guys and the versatility um, because I don't think that's the last time we're seeing a 7-1 split for this World Cup. If you look at the way they're moving backline players around and that, I think we are well on to see another 7-1 split, 100%. And I think this is, again, just sort of testing that versatility, getting a few guys a bit more minutes. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting once all this testing, even in the pool stages of a bloody World Cup, still testing, you know, starts really funneling into that, okay, it's quarterfinal. This is knockout rugby. It's do or die. You know, we either win or we lose today, and and that's it. And I think once we get to that, I hopefully I think we are going to have a more cemented team that we know, okay, this team's played this week, more than likely it's going to be the same one the next week. Do you think uh, we'll, we'll see an eight mil split Grant Williams on the wing and Fuff at nine, which means that in case Fuff gets injured, Grant can switch from wing to, to nine and Quacha can just drop into the back line. No, I think they're saving that for the next World Cup, mate. 
Yeah, maybe. Um, I um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? I also think it would be quite interesting to see how how long it takes before they bring Marco and started on. And I'm not actually sure that they'll bring him on at Hooker. If you cast your memory back to, might have actually been last year. I think uh, Bongi ended up picking up an injury, and they had Dion Free on the bench as hooker cover, but Malcolm Marks played the full 80 and Dion Free came on as a replacement, but he came on as a replacement, I think, in the 70th minute in the back row. So I do wonder whether or not they're actually, there might be a bit of a toss of a coin and they might go, actually, Dion Free's going really, really well. Let's just slot Marco in in the back row and then give somebody like Dwayne Familian or Jasper Visa a bit of a break. Yeah, I think I think that that could well be the case. To be honest, I mean, at the end of the day, Dion Free he needs time. <laughs> you know, he needs time. He needs thrones. And I think with with the amount of pressure we're gonna put on Tonga, I think we're gonna get a lot of penalties. We're gonna kick to the line a lot. So I think the longer he stays in the game, the better. And he's just getting more opportunity to really nail those those throw-ins and you know work these lineouts and that. Because man, that that last call and. I don't know. I think I think it was. Uh, I think in the moment, I definitely thought it was a bit of a controversial call. I I didn't. I was mind baffled as to how we didn't get anything from that. But I mean, it is what it is. But again, it's it's one of those opportunities where, man, that's do or die. Like in a knockout game, like last minute of the game, last play of the game, you get this, you tie the game. Like like you got, you just need to be able to convert those chances. So. Hopefully this does give him a bit more opportunity to, you know, really set the tone, not only throw the ball straight, but really be able to, you know, switch on and and just really connect and link up with these locks and, and your forwards and that, you know, it's more than just being able to throw a ball straight. It's the timing. It's it's working with them and it's it's everything that goes into a lineup. You know what I mean? It's not just a simple throw in like you see in footy, you know. So it's um yeah it would be it would be great to see him have a lot more minutes at uh, at two. I think the seven one split wasn't as effective as as maybe it was intended to be. It felt like it made a difference maybe ten fifteen minutes and then kind of died a death. It'll be interesting to see if they bring it back, but also RG Snayman man off the bench Jeez. pace the offloads. The way he hits lines, I mean, I reckon, actually, if we're talking another forward who could play in the backs, imagine RG Snayman lining up at 12. Dude, even better. Imagine him lining up at 10, slotting kicks over. Well, that would be good, to be fair. I'd, I'd enjoy that. I wouldn't be surprised. Finally, last last word on, on the team for this week. Any changes that you'd make? Anybody that you, you think maybe deserves to, to be part of the team for this week? No, I think it's pretty pretty stock standard sort of thing, you know. It's sort of last last pool game. You don't want to risk too many injuries. You want to get the guys, uh, obviously, game time because we're going to have a week off. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a long two weeks after this game. Hopefully, the result really does fall in our favor and massively as well because, yeah, if, um, if Scotland go and beat Ireland – then that's that's going to throw a spanner in the works. Like we we haven't made the quarters yet, you know what I mean. 
So you you better be you better be cheering for Ireland for for once in your in your life because yeah if Scotland win that's going to be very interesting having to look at point difference and bonus points and everything, but yeah I think it's just you know set standard let's hope the box can sort of regroup get a really solid win and then just spend the next two weeks just mentally preparing and preparing on the pitch and just getting ready for that quarterfinal if we if we make it. So a win for Scotland is not the end of the world. It's whether or not Scotland win with the bonus point. So if we win with the bonus point this weekend, Scotland needs to take out 10 points in the next two games for them to tie with us if we take a bonus point out of our next game, I think. Stand to be corrected. Have to check that. But looking towards this weekend, Steaks, obviously we've we've had a we're we're recording this on a Thursday night, so this'll this'll be up Friday morning. Showing our listeners how the uh how the how the cake is made. Um but having a look at it, I think in about three minutes we're gonna have a kickoff for the Japan game, but the Japan Samoa game. Looking at that, who do you think's gonna win that one? Yeah, I think Samoa will take that one. I'm gonna back Japan. You you're gonna back Japan? Japan by three. I like I like, I like the idea of Japan. I like that. I do like the idea of Japan. I just don't think they've they've you know been there been their previous self in that. There's they've just not fired any there. shots. Possibly Weird. possibly Eddie Jones, but um, <laughs> we won't we won't talk about we won't talk about that. You know what? This has actually been a real Debbie Downer podcast, considering Australia got hammered by Wales. You know, there's always there's always a silver lining in life, Scott, and we need to remember that. We can't be Debbie Downers. But you know what? While I'm on the topic of, of Eddie Jones, okay? Eddie Jones, yeah. I think as South African fans, and I'm speaking to all South African fans out there right now, if they do not, because Fiji still have to win their games, but if Australia don't make it into the, into the knockouts, I think there's a slight turning point in my heart towards Australia. Because then it's like, you know, they've hey, You can't kick a dog while it's down. No, like... you can't. Then then I, I like a redemption story, mate. Like, don't get me wrong. I was I, I don't like England. But to go and get knocked out of the pool stages in your own World Cup, and then Eddie Jones comes there and, you know, changes things up, it's, 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 it's nice to watch, you know. Australia... I don't know if Eddie Jones is going to stay there much longer because, my God, this has been an awful term so far with Australia. Bro, but I think I, say, I think I think they're going to keep him. I think they should. I think they should. He's, You know what? I, I really don't see the point in leaving Michael Hooper and Quade Cooper behind. It's two players. You have a full young team you could have brought them with. Not even that. I, Bernard, Bernard Foley won the um, Japanese top league this year. Yeah, been man. absolutely class. Scored all the points in the final. Why would you only take one out and out fly half, and then a fifteen who can play ten when he? You needs know what? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's been watching too many of Rassi's documentaries or something. <laughs> but I will say, bro, that I I really do like that story. And it's hey, next World Cups in Australia, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Is, so, yeah. mate, that's that's one thing. Four years. Yes, I'll tell you what though. There is a lot of individual brilliance in that um, Australian team. They just 
don't have it together and that's fine. You know, they've got four years and if they keep Eddie Jones, he's a brilliant coach. He is a brilliant coach. Yes, he's had a shit time now, but I, I think if they keep him, he, he turns things around and he builds he builds this extremely young team up and I, I think they <laughs> I think they smash it the next World Cup. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'd quite like to see a bit of a redemption story. Why are Italy going to beat New Zealand on Friday? And by how many points? Why? Why are Italy going to... No, you know what? We <laughs> redemption stories, but I think some things are just too far to be redeemed. Do you know what I mean? I think New Zealand, I think New Zealand do pretty well against Italy. I reckon you're probably... To be fair, New Zealand played Italy in Italy end of last year. Might have been the year before that. And they actually, they didn't struggle, but they, they took a while to get going. So I think it might be a slightly closer game than what people are expecting, put it that way. Argentina, Chile. Argentina by how much I think is, is probably the yeah, big question. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Chile's been so upsetting because they've just really started off decently and they've shown some real proper glimmers of hope. But these smaller teams, man, they just they just don't have the legs to, to keep going. Chile's, Chile's got my heart, man. But yeah, Argentina by like 15, 20. BG Georgia, big implications there in terms of... Yeah. Yeah, well, my word. I hope, I hope, almost in Georgia. I hope Fiji take that game, man. Definitely. No, but I think, I think Fiji's, yeah, Fiji's like they, they're getting that structure down, man. They're getting that structure better. And the fact that they go and beat Australia, yes, it's a wounded Australia, but you know, it wasn't yeah. by, you know, should it, should, it be, should it beat Wales too? Should have, well, should have beaten Wales. So I think they, they're really piecing things together, man. And to beat Australia by, by mainly kicks at the end of the day and is, is brilliant. So I think Fiji do take it. Scotland, Romania. Scotland. Scotland will hammer. You'd, you'd think so. I think Scotland have named oh. quite a, a changed side mm. for that game. Um, they've not got Finn Russell. I think he uh, he's not even up on the bench. So be interesting but you'd think given given their their depth they should be able to take that um australia portugal oh this is a tough one bro <laughs> no i'm joking no i think i think australia i think australia finished strong and then the uh arguably the the biggest game of the weekend south africa tonga i think south africa take about 40 plus points yeah, I reckon, I think we need minimum 35 points in terms of points difference. To, just to, to feel comfortable more than anything else. I know, I know. I did, this World Cup's really giving me a headache, to be honest. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to take some time off work at this point. Yeah, because looking at it, I mean, we're on 10 points. Scotland are on five if they get 10 from their next two games and we get five from our next game, we will tie with them as a as 15 apiece. Ireland are then on 14 at the moment. They've got one game to go. So really, if Scotland beat... Oh, if they beat them by bonus points, mate. If Scotland beat them with a bonus point and Ireland don't get a bonus point from that game, Ireland are out of the World Cup. Oh my goodness, imagine. Can you imagine that? Dude, that's no, really... I can't, but it would man. be... It would be... 
a, an early red card for Ireland first five minutes. Oh, you, you just never know. You never know. Going to be interesting. That bonus point on Sunday for us is really important. Yeah, big time. Right, well, thanks for joining us on another episode of the Saf Pod. For those of you listening, head over to our socials and give us a like or a follow. We'll probably be back next week, but depends on on how the game goes this weekend, I think. Maybe take a, a week off, put our legs up. But if you don't see us next week, you'll see us the week following to build up to what we hope is a course final against either France or likely New Zealand. See you then.